Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're taking advantage of a bit of a gap in the calendar to record a short evergreen podcast this week uh, based on us rather than, than anything of you know, real FPL substance. So if you're not interested in us and just want to use us for our FPL knowledge, that's cool. See you next week. GTFO. <laughs> now we've lost 80% of listeners. Let's go. Obviously, we are Who Got The Assist. Uh, you found us already if you listen to this, but one thing to mention is our Instagram, wgta.fpl. Uh, welcome, new listeners. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you like what you hear. And our mini league code for the 2020 21 season was CPSULF. Now, there's no Nick today, and he apologised ahead of a podcast which is designed to introduce our newest co host, Anthony, otherwise known as FPL Stack. How are you, sir? Evening, Thomas. Good to be back on the pod again for another week in the middle of this FPL season. Uh, we're obviously in the middle of an international break here, which is, of course, the reason why we have a chance to do a, an evergreen pod, as you say. So, um, what is this? It's just, uh, I guess, I just give a quick nod, actually, to the three amigos, and they do a lot of kind of getting to know you sort of stuff. Um, Nick and I, I think a couple of years ago, before Anthony joined, decided it'd be a good idea to just do a quick introduction to who we are, you know, what motivates us to become content creators and what kind of keeps us going FPL-wise. And we'd never really done that before and thought it might be a good thing to do. We did it over the summer, actually. And I think kind of Anthony joining, we didn't quite get a chance to do it this summer because it was so truncated between the end of last season, 1920, and this year, 2021, kicking off. Um, so we've taken advantage, as Anthony said, of, of this sort of, little time uh, with an international break to, to do so it's um, time when every player seems to be getting injured and COVID seems to be hitting so many squads that if we recorded on a monday or tuesday everything would be out of date by thursday <laughs> exactly so get started i've, I've literally just got written down here who are you why are you here anthony well, what's going on uh, age where from what do you do the classic chase questions but yeah, <laughs> basic introduction i guess i don't, don't know if anyone even uh have, have you, i don't think you've ever given one of you apart from on the three amigos pod I don't know. Probably have done a little bits and bobs around the place on different interviews or whatever. But no, probably haven't done a cohesive thing since the getting to know you with the three amigos. Who am I? My name is Anthony. I'm from Cork in Ireland. I'm 23 now. I'll be 24 by the time most people listen to this, uh, which is lovely. <laughs> what do I do? I'm currently studying, doing exams to become a solicitor here in Ireland. I did uh, dual degree in business and law in UCD for college but I graduated from that just over a year ago now so on the path to actually starting working in the meantime I'm just doing pods with you guys hopefully again in the future when furloughing things end I will I write for Roto World I do a column for them called Stag's Take every week where I basically just give my take the clues in the title on what's going on in FPL in a given week but right now, I guess this is the best place to find me, considering my Twitter account is largely dormant. I kind of twit in fits and bouts, but otherwise uh, keep most of my thoughts for the podcast. Yeah, certainly. And I remember, like, I think the first time I ever recorded with you, you were 
I think you're, you're in Spain at that point. Like you definitely have uh, gotten around, not in a pejorative way, but you've certainly uh, travelled a lot in your uh, in your student years. And as such, you're, you're fluent in is it three languages? Oh, fluent is a big word now. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm more than able to get by in Irish. My Spanish is fine, but it's certainly a bit rusty. And I, I did start learning French recently. So, yeah, that time you were speaking to me, I was on Erasmus at the time in Madrid. That was only a six month thing, but it was uh, it was really good fun. Great place to be. Would recommend it for a weekend or to live. It's it's that kind of city where it has pretty much everything except a coastline, really, uh, Madrid. Yeah, I've spent a few summers working in the United States as well, just teaching sailing and sitting around in the sun, lovely spot. And then, yeah, most recently, and I guess when I first started doing this pod with you guys on a permanent basis, I was living in Brussels, working over there, doing an internship in a law firm. So yeah, I've, I've been around a wee bit. Mm, yeah, certainly, certainly. I remember, so like, it's one of the weird things, isn't it? Because Nick and I obviously know each other from before. So Nick and I went to school together, for those who don't know, both the same age, both work jobs in finance, so that's not important. Uh, but I, I guess uh, you, Anthony, are a, a, a friend we've picked up through kind of the FPL Twitter, isn't it? Or at least through kind of FPL conversations. I, I can't remember the first time we actually spoke or the first time you kind of came onto the pod. I guess it was... I don't even know. It was in your first season, I think. I'm not sure. I don't think it was particularly early in your first season, but I think um, Thomas, somebody who's fairly active on Twitter, meant that we definitely interacted a few times over Twitter and just eventually I ended up on the pod. I've met you two, three times in person, Tom? I I think two two is it two yeah yeah, i think two um but i've actually never met nick in person not even once (laughs) yeah which is funny the funny the way things go he wasn't around for those few random events that i happened to be in london for no the the beard is definitely more luxurious in person it's just incredible (laughs) goes down to his chest (laughs) and then it kind of waves around and when he drinks as well the beard just kind of flows through it and at the bottom it's just water because the the beard itself absorbs the beer is incredible um yeah, no, it's, yeah the, the bottled water companies use layers of rocks and thousands of years whereas nick it's a much more efficient process <laughs> just good old keratin i know i know um, and yeah, no, it's definitely weird and it is is very, i i only realized the other day i think that you hadn't actually met nick in person that's what's really strange about this whole thing but i think when the first time you kind of came on i thought that you, you got on with us very very well and i think that it was a nice sort of dynamic between the the three of us and i think that, that kind of I guess at the time we weren't really thinking about ever expanding into having somebody else, but it was definitely those things that, you know, as Nick, uh, Nick and his wife obviously got pregnant and then, then you came on to help out with that. And then with me going away in January, then it kind of became one of the things where you were a natural choice. And I think it just quite easily sort of uh, all fits together, didn't it? And when I came back, I kind of thought, well, you know, why not kind of keep it going? So I thought it was quite a nice sort of dynamic. And I think kind of, it was quite a natural one as well, wasn't it? Like we didn't really ever spend lots of time together as you've heard, uh, but it it just uh, seems to work, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's all run, rolled into one quite nicely. Like We have an awful lot of maybe similar characteristics, which is good, but I think definitely the three of us are all slightly unique and kind of come at things, be it FPL and life in general, from a different perspective. So hopefully, anyway, the feedback has been good. Things uh, mold together nicely and maybe bringing me on brings us a different element, but doesn't throw things off kilter too much. Yeah, and definitely people can tell the difference between who's talking as well. Uh, the amount of, times yeah. I was called, amount of times I was called Nick, that that really <laughs> annoys me. Not because I don't like Nick, but because it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's frankly irritating. It doesn't sound anything like me. Anyway, uh, let, let's roll it all the way back. How did you get into this uh, uh, cruel mistress, which is FPL? Um, I assume you've been playing for quite a while. Yeah, so I guess I'm 23, near 24, but I've probably been involved in FPL stuff for definitely like 15 years might be a stretch but not too much uh 
less than that. So I used to, when I was a young kid, like eight, nine, ten, read, you know, Match Magazine, the like kids yeah, football yeah. magazine. The yeah. Match and Shoot, there were two of them, weren't there? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was very much Match only for whatever reason. But uh, Match had a kind of a fantasy football thing every week. This, don't listen to this Premier League and money-grabbing peoples. But uh, Match had this thing where you couldn't make transfers each week unless you had the magazine and had this special code that was in it. So, you know, to make a transfer on a given game week, you needed to know that the code was like, I don't know, P0U7L or something. Oh, and then you'd cheeky. be able to... It is cheeky. But my God, it kept people hooked. So I had a team on that back then. I don't think I was particularly good at it. I don't remember ever even completing a season. But I guess there was an interest in fantasy football as far back as then, kind of, you know, around and pre the 2006 World Cup. Um, What happened then? I guess I did start using the official Premier League fantasy football account. I've no idea what my initial account was or what year. You know, these are things that were lost to history and had simple passwords and my first ever email addresses. Uh, AOS96 at hotmail.com. If anyone wants to try and dig up the email, I'd be <laughs> intrigued if someone can hack it. Um, but I certainly don't own it myself anymore. But yeah, I then started using that Premier League one, used it just with school leagues like pretty much anybody uh, around my age would have done. It was kind of competitive in that and slowly but surely you start to take it more seriously. Actually peaked whilst it was still like, you know, just an account I used in school. 14-15 season, I had about a 12k finish on that account. Uh, and then in the summer after I finished school, so school finished school June 2015, the summer, that summer is when I started FPL Stack and started writing under a pseudonym. The name was, it was, the whole entire thing was a complete secret to even my parents for about six months when I started it. Like my parents and my girlfriend at the time had no idea that I'd started this account and it had like, right. I don't know, two or 3,000 followers at that point. And it was like this like silly Peter Parker style life that I was like <laughs> half living with this FPL stag thing. So it was like, what are you doing? Why, what are you typing up? I don't know. doesn't matter. Go away. And, uh, <laughs> who, where are you doing all these tweets, Anthony? It doesn't matter, guys. <laughs> and, uh, eventually that came clean uh, to the world. And I'm, I think most people that know me in real life know about it now. And it's certainly not a secret. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing the FPL stag stuff for five years. Quite a while, even longer than us. I think. I think you. you yeah, about, I have a full season on you. Yeah, I think you had about seven hundred thousand followers before we kind of came into the Twitter sphere. I doubt it was that much, but yeah, yeah, but I would have had a fair few thousand anyway. Um, I guess just shout out where it's due. FPL hints the chief. He was the kind of the guy that gave me my earliest uh, break. He, I wrote a few articles for him on promoted teams at the time, and that's actually been kind of a constant thing for me. Every summer, <laughs> yeah. I find myself writing about the promoted teams. Just. I guess I like digging into the the tactics and the personnel and everything and the stories maybe of teams I wouldn't know much about. At the time, it was Bournemouth, Norwich, and somebody else off the top of my head that I wrote those articles on. It's it's something I enjoy doing. But yeah, so Chief gave me that initial break, and I'll be indebted to him because he did give me an awful lot of support. And I guess that early time, uh, all of us with accounts would know about all this. That early time that other accounts go through, where they're tweeting people being like, "Follow me, follow me, please," and shout out me or whatever. I didn't have to go through that because I guess Chief just it gave me retweet juice so frequently on things that i built up a decent following before i really even got started so thanks to chief that's always good i think we had a little bit of help when we started as well you know i was very active on fantasy football scout in the forums back in the day and then i remember when we first kind of broke away and made our own sort of thing i think we had uh, andy let's talk fpl at the time i think he was just and ffs andy and he gave us sort of kind of our first sort of big old sort of retweet and i think it kind of grew from there i think there was a bit of a space for a stats c pod 
and I think that we kind of filled it quite nicely. I think back in the day, like obviously I was everywhere, you know, like replying to the FPL account with a podcast link and, you know, replying to BBC Sport, Sky Sports and things like that with the podcast. So just trying to get it out there really. And it was really nice to get of individuals in the community and you know chief's obviously a top man as well and he was another person who was very helpful in the first kind of few years i remember for a little while as well we used to post our podcast on his site and obviously that was a huge help in terms of getting us out there and it really is um often very very useful to have these sort of relationships that you just build with people over time um especially now given where we are like i do try to give that back as well because obviously being i remember what it was like to only have a few hundred followers so if people are you know ever at that point where they've created something new create something interesting and i try to look at everything that i can i do get kind of added and sent lots of stuff so i think it's always good to try to if something is pretty good but i think there was a guy last season fpl meta he did he created this like really nice sort of these infographics about like here's what the template team is and a few that nice little charts all kind of really nicely presented so that's an example of somebody who you know would get a retweet or get like a nice little comment or something like that just to kind of get them in front of other people um so yeah it's, it's nice to have that experience isn't it absolutely yeah i think it was even actually at a chief organized meetup that you and i met for the first time tom uh, one january at some point that i was over in london for some other thing we met one day yeah <clears throat> yeah no, it was like five or six it. of us around the table in marylebone at the time yeah. but uh, yeah no like i think definitely that is something that you and i would have both witnessed in our four and five years in the twitter community i was kind of a sleeper uh, member of the Twitter community the year and maybe year and a bit beforehand on my personal account. So I would have interacted with Chief and Matej uh, and a few others that year. Fly, Walt were kind of the big accounts that I had come across at the time. And I would have been, would have spoken to them. But it's it's actually been something that you and I would have noticed is just how much the like the quality of content and the depth of quant of content that has emerged in the FPL community in the last year and two and three especially you know yeah th this podcast especially was like definitely a groundbreaker in the stats area when it came out now the availability of stats and the kind of amount of people who are doing a good job and a terrible job of interpreting it has really like gone through the roof which is great. And then there's, it's, it's great as well. Like some people have really got to show their entrepreneurial side and they're making a full-time gig out of it. And that's, that's really impressive and best to look to them as well with that. It's, it's, it's definitely an interesting space to be in right now. And it's definitely, if you listen to commentators speaking on about football, just in general, fantasy football is growing. It's getting, being talked about an awful lot more in general. It's just, it's a good thing. Absolutely. So that leads us nicely on to kind of uh, the next bit. What is your motivation in terms of playing FPL? Is it enjoyment? Is it the challenge? Is it the rivalry? I remember on your getting to know you, you said that the three words that described you rather than younger than you to your uncle Don uh, was trying to win. <laughs> is it about that sort of competitive side that drives you into FPL or has it changed now from being a proper kind of full on content provider? It's interesting. That was the three words I picked. I wouldn't necessarily say that that drives me at all playing FPL now. I think maybe there's just a, an element of not so much realization as more just calmness has taken over me. Mellowed in your young, in your later years. At the yeah, Twenty-three, yeah. you're an old man. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> probably like twenty-one when I did that thing with them. It's like, wow, like guys, these last two years, <laughs> perspective hits you like a train. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's certainly not that. I think now with FPL. I think it gives me an alternative outlet for my interest in football. I guess growing up as an Irish person, I know some people now won't share this with me and, you know, at me if you want or complain. But 
I, I growing up as an Irish person, I obviously don't have some sort of link from birth with a club. You know, you adopt a club when you're young for whatever reason you adopt them. I adopted Manchester United, I think just because it was what was kind of in the family to some extent. I don't have a particularly football-y family, but if there was a club, it was United. And so I kind of went with that. But I'm, I'm not tribal about it. I'm certainly not caught in it. Do I enjoy seeing United win? Yeah. Did I love when Solskjaer took over and things really took an upward swing? Yeah, of course. It was, you know, inject that into my veins. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not sitting here thinking that, like, the fortunes of the, the club one way or another really changed my perspective on things. So I guess what FPL does is it gives me that alternative outlet to kind of enjoy the sport and to maybe build on my interest that little bit more. You know, there's, there's no yeah. way that I'm going to be interested in Aaron Cresswell unless it was for FPL, you know, nothing against Aaron Cresswell or West Ham, but it's just, <laughs> frankly, frankly, I just have, would have no interest in them. And yeah. so it's nice to have that deepened interest in the league and just what's going on and that kind of attachment to it, I guess. It's like, I like to have a stake in it in some way. And I like to have something you can kind of, you know, compare with your friends and chat about and things. And it's just, it is just interesting. And of course, having an account, being involved with this, whatever, it does mean that there's a sense of, there is a, like a duty slash obligation to be invo- like involved in FPL too. And I'd be silly if I didn't mention that as well. It's in sort of me, I suppose. It's more, like, I come, came at it from like the football manager's sort of perspective. Like, I think it's a given that I, I like football, I like watching football, I like talking about football. But I also like kind of the gamification side of uh, FPL. And I remember kind of having a wide knowledge of players as a result of being really into football manager is kind of what got me interested in FPL in the first place. When Nick said a few times, I think he said on the intro pod we actually did, which is worth going back and listening to, by the way. So I won't be putting too much of that into this because obviously I can do a Nick impression, but there's no point really. Um, but I remember he, used, he always used to say that I used to have players in that he didn't really know because I'd looked into the data, I looked into the stats and I got my little edge. And I think nowadays that doesn't happen as often. You don't really get, you know, like a, a Matt D from last year when it was 4.4. That doesn't happen as much now that a player is going to be on the download for, for, for that long because they will be on earth now. But I think, you know, for the first few years, especially, um, I think the, the year I was really ill, I think that was 20, that was, was that the last season? That was when I got 2K. And I think that was just a year of me having loads of time to look at all the data and the FFS members area it was back then. And because I was able to unearth all of these sort of little gems in the defence and in the midfield at a cheap price, Oh, it was just beautiful. Uh, there was definitely a time when stats give you a good, an edge, and I guess that was what got us into thinking it might be worth doing a podcast on this. Uh, I guess then everybody else realised, oh, we probably better look at these stats rather than going, yeah, he just looks good, so he might be worth chucking in like a kind of a general football pundits do. Just to build on that a wee bit, like for me, that was definitely that kind of extra interest and kind of wanting to share that interest in the stats and the deeper knowledge of players let's say was definitely a reason why I started to create the actual content for it on first of all with Chief and then later on various platforms and eventually with Road World and I guess here that it was about kind of you know I felt like I was digging up stuff that other people weren't I think my my favorite one that I've dug up in a pre-season let's say was Pascal Gross the summer he moved to Brighton I kind of looked at his oh, data yeah, I think it was at it was at like Englishstadt I think it was, it was. that 
yeah, he got relegated with Ingolstadt, but his his chance of creation stats and his key he passing stats. He creates more chances than Ozil that year for a relegated Ingolstadt. Was the yeah, there was, 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 was there quite a, there were quite a few bits like that. Okay, <laughs> you've remembered better than I have. You thought it was my baby at the time. Yeah, and I do remember actually in college one day I was sitting beside a guy and like two people I wouldn't even particularly know, and they were comparing their fantasy football team. I wasn't even part of the conversation, and a guy had Pascal Gross in his team, and it was a game week two or game week three and they, they were like how the hell did you get pascal gross in your team and it was like oh this guy i follow on twitter was uh beefing him up and i was just like oh my word it's me <laughs> that they're talking about yeah <laughs> that's so that's definitely why i kind of got into the content initially yeah oh just just for ego uh, ego shy yeah. <laughs> well that in particular was a bit of an ego <laughs> one yeah but in, i think in general i just kind of liked having just you know writing my thoughts a wee bit and seeing how they went I think that's definitely true. I think there's something very satisfying in um, either coming up with something or having tips a player and that coming true. Um, obviously, you get that everywhere now. But if you say, oh, I, I mentioned this guy or you know, that horrible phrase, hashtag called it, you'll get somebody doing it, trying to do a timestamp dub. So they'll copy oh, the tweet from absolutely. five weeks ago where they've gone, this guy looks all right and trying to make out that they got him first. Yeah, that oh, but like, <laughs> you know, just sorry, for what it's worth as well, just unearth, along with Pascal Gross in that preseason, I looked at Marcus Sutner, who was also at Ingolstadt oh, yeah, with him and scary. also had very good <laughs> chance creation stats. And he turned out to be Cat playing in the same Brighton team. So it doesn't all work out whatsoever. But uh, yeah, it's also about starting up debate and kind of it was about growing my own understanding of the game slash FPL slash life, um, which would be why, you know, I enjoyed kind of penning my thoughts and hearing what other people thought in a reasoned way that wasn't, no, you're wrong, mate. You know, it was lovely to kind of have that. And I still enjoy that with the pod and things that, you know, you, you and I and Nick will have a good debate sometimes about someone like Harry Kane. Is he good? Is he not? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I think it's always good to have that debate and it's probably because i started i started off with writing as well as doing the podcast and obviously over time your time diminishes because you get more busy at work you know you get more senior and things like that so definitely that's that's impacted things and also i just came to realize that it's always good to have these kind of conversations rather than when i'm writing something it's very kind of one-sided here's my point of view and then the comments i used to get were obviously a lot of the time they're very nice complimentary but some of the ones which were a bit debatey like a lot of the nuance was lost when I was trying to trying to explain my point or at least I'd have to kind of write two or three sort of uh, two or three sort of tweets worth just to kind of get the point across again or at least reaffirm something or say you know there's actually a bit of nuance here and obviously I couldn't cover it all off and everybody knows I love a caveat there's only so many you can do there's only so much you can so much idiot proofing without being too pejorative you can do especially when you and I would have started accounts in the 140 tweet 140 character tweet age it was even harder then you know (laughs) now it's still difficult but to think we were trying Trying to do it in half that space it, and without the ability to thread tweets as well as easily it was it was certainly a, a much more a much harder time to get a bit of nuance into things not that there's that much more now in the fake news <laughs> era i think that was the art of it though wasn't it like just to try to get your point across in a short format um, yeah definitely a certain sort of art to that in the same way there's a certain sort of art to writing a compelling article which is lengthy but engaging or making a podcast which is both reasoned as we try to do and also entertaining which admittedly we try to do but depending uh, on the yeah, on the apple podcast reviews very, we do it really well or really very, don't do it at all varying results <laughs> yes this divisive personality as usual definitely an art to kind of doing this in, in, a, in a way which is in, engaging or at least kind of takes people with you 
deep into the thicket and maybe this isn't worth including but the, in the 140 twitter character age i think it, you could commit all sorts of sins when it came to your grammar and your spelling and things and shorten stuff into you know to you know nokia brick phone 2004 text speak whereas now with 280 characters i don't think you're really allowed to do that like you used to be people just think you can't spell so you have to be i think much more creative with your actual language whereas i think in the 140 character world you just were much better at getting your point across there is it's a slightly different context and debate that i think comes through just based on the type of writing that people do as well yeah no, definitely i think i think a lot of it is just intent versus ability to articulate your message i suppose and i think that of course more characters is always quite useful but a lot of the time it's about effort too like can you be bothered to go through and try to explain to everybody the point that you hope you already made uh, I, I just became especially as my time became more and more compressed i became less and less inclined to want to write especially because like obviously we do a podcast I and mean, that's dead by effectively dead by the saturday although in some cases and um, it's dead by the by the press conferences or in some kind of horror cases it's dead by the tuesday <laughs> we've spent all night on the monday going oh this player is amazing we need to get this guy and captain him and it's so dispiriting though tuesday night champions league oh blah blah has been carried off injured he's out for months and you're like oh my lord i was the whole podcast I, I had i had to do a rewrite on an article i was writing on a thursday evening once tom that's how awful the, uh, the, oh. <laughs> the gods can be on this thing it was uh, sergio the night sergio aguero had a crash in amsterdam remember that oh, yes I yeah do yeah remember. i was i was writing it was about 1 a.m and i had an article built and aguero obviously featured in it because i had to go toss it i had to throw out like 500 words and <laughs> write again <laughs> I remember yeah. that so well, yeah. Or was it, what, Monday the 16th of March this year? Harvey Barnes scored a hat-trick and Nick was dancing on thin air and then there wasn't another Premier League game for <laughs> three, four months. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it, it definitely can be an interesting place, can't it? All right, in terms of your FPL philosophy, if you have one, Anthony, what is it? Is there any sort of particular thing that you value? You know, we've spoken about eye tests and stats on the recent pods uh, at the time of recording with uh, Pranil Schaefer, aka Late Riser. How do you approach uh, FPL in general? Do you have a philosophy behind it? Beyond being really concise with this and saying, you know, think about what you're doing and try to enjoy the show. Not really all that much. I, I think. I've talked about it on the pod before that I perhaps take too much into account ownership. And I think I've, I've definitely struggled since making a Twitter account with escaping groupthink. And I, I think more and more I'm becoming more and more aware that I'm really struggling with that. And like, no matter what, I, I love when I see teams that have taken a radically different approach to FPL from the start of the season and it's worked out because I'm just like okay these people as much as anything what I like about what they've done isn't that they've picked up points it's that they've taken a totally different approach like if somebody did really well last last season for example without picking Mo Salah I'm intrigued by not just their team but who they are and how they think as a person because that's something that I really have struggled to do and I think my, my ranks have shown that since I made the FPL stag account like I've just I've been quite poor at escaping the group think and really yeah, yeah. nailing nailing my own thoughts and maybe look part of it might be just that my interpretation of the game is just not as good as it was I, I don't know but I've certainly from an FPL perspective um it's quite hard so I wouldn't necessarily have a philosophy I think it's it's not the sort of game that can be deduced into a philosophy you know some people might be like oh take risks and enjoy it and I'm like okay fair enough like take hits great but that's 
certainly not my philosophy. And I don't know if I can distill it into a simple kind of idea. Yeah, no, I understand that. I think it's something that is, is quite difficult to to reduce. I think the the main thing for me is uh, obviously if the, the stats are part of, not the full picture. Um, nuance is key. Another one that I really like, uh, I, I do repeat a lot, and people do accuse me of uh, being a bit a bit, bit bit Teflon with it. But I think it's definitely true that you have a str- strong opinions but loosely held, just because every week, every season, things change. Um, you know, a player who last season was absolutely rubbish can then this season become the must-have. Um, a player who has quote unquote trolled you heavily in the past could be a player who this season looks like one that you've got to get in. It's very much about getting out your own way. So initially, of course, we did a lot of stuff on behavioural science and things like that. You know, egocentric bias, confirmation bias, and all these sorts of things that may impact your behaviour. And definitely, at the time, I was working for a behavioural uh, for a behavioural science agency, heading up a function there. So it was very easy for me to kind of just draw on day to day kind of professional things and bring that into the FPL context, which I still kind of it does cross my mind a lot these days still. But I think it's it's kind of well serviced uh, everywhere, and we do occasionally kind of talk about it, but. I mean, the big one, though, um, that does come to mind a lot of times is herd mentality that like you mentioned earlier on about how the, the template, uh, the FPL zeitgeist that we reference a lot, or the meta if you're a gamer, like all this sort of stuff it is so potent, I think, in messing with your mind. It's like I, I'm nowhere near as good as I used to be. Like since I started the podcast, my God, like my ranks have gone from five figure to six figure. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's incredible to see. And I think it is just because as, as has been mentioned quite a lot that I'm on Twitter or, or was previously, I suppose before this season on Twitter, an awful lot um, and kind of reading everything and seeing everything. You can't help but subconsciously pull in all of those opinions and kind of it muddies your thinking so much. Like this year, I think I've, really kind of try to be more nick as it were in that i'm kind of because of work as well like i'm a little bit, little bit more busy i've got more responsibility um but because of all of that it's kind of having a positive impact in that i'm just not on twitter that much so i'm doing my own thing it's a little bit more kind of satisfying almost to kind of occasionally dip into twitter see what's going on in the group chats or see what's going on on the timeline just kind of think well i don't i don't agree with that whereas before i'd have been like oh why are they saying that oh that's really interesting oh i'm gonna follow this and then my my kind of my old my whole kind of intent being muddied i'm sure it's going to happen again this year where her mentality is going to bite me and but i'm hoping that less involvement a la nick is going to be very useful for me what you said there about not getting caught you know in your opinion that you maybe once held is definitely something that's I, I wouldn't have called it my philosophy, but I certainly think it's something I try to stick with in life. Uh, and it's something I, I'm definitely okay with in FPL. I don't get too caught up in, oh, but Stag, you said that guy wasn't good three weeks ago, but now you're buying him. Do you know what? Sorry, guys. Sometimes things change. And like sometimes that might be just the player going into a purple patch. Sometimes that might be a tactical change. But for example, Richarlison is quite a good example of a player that I had absolutely no time for previously but under Ancelotti and especially this season I definitely like what's going on with him I like his involvement and so I had him in my side right now actually on my wildcard I don't for those of you who'd be tuned into that I've just moved to DCL purely for the money but I wouldn't be surprised if Richardson finds his way back into my side this year and I, I definitely think that just like there's there's no point getting you know up on your a hill or a high horse about some opinion that you have about a bloody player you've never met in a game that you can't actively actively get involved in you know it's like come on so yeah 
No, definitely true. I think over time as well, you just come to realize that we have bad weeks, you have good weeks, and you shouldn't take them too much to heart. Like you see a lot of people, and, and so do the players. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And they get on with it, and like it's not as if you're being paid for it, but you got to go on with it as well. Because there's always next week, or indeed you just give up, which is what a lot of people do do every year. Have a few bad weeks. Goodbye, FPL. Anyway, that's the contrast to the next question, which is what do you actually enjoy about FPL? And this can obviously be on two levels. One, the game itself, and two, obviously, the involvement with the FPL community, which obviously you've spoken about a little bit in terms of doing the podcast. So I guess maybe the, maybe the game itself, what's the kind of the, the key things you enjoy or what's the main kind of source of satisfaction to you? I think what I enjoy the most about the game at this point is just the research behind it and kind of trying to understand the game. I think the more I've been playing FPL, the more I've been become interested in the tactics and the statistics behind the game, uh, almost as much as I'm interested in the game itself. So naturally kind of trying to just, and I mean empirically, I'm not doing any sorts of complex data work or anything, trying to understand the relationship between data and results is something that I definitely enjoy. I think when I saw this question, though, initially, it's definitely the thing I enjoy most about FPL is that kind of interaction with relatively, let's say, like-minded people. I'm not going to say I'm like everyone in the FPL community. But yeah, I would definitely say that that side of FPL that I really enjoy is the interaction with the community and the people that are in it who obviously share an interest with me. So we have obviously the pod and the people that I interact with usually on Twitter and through Slack. Like they're, they're like genuinely people who I would call friends that have come through FPL, you know, which is not something I probably anticipated when I started writing, you know, 2000 word pieces on Bournemouth players when they were getting promoted a few years ago. And so that side of the game has of FPL has certainly superseded the actual enjoyment I get from the game kind of perversely. But at the same time, I do enjoy having that just week by week involvement in the games that are happening on a Saturday and Sunday and Monday. Yeah, it keeps, definitely keeps you interested in kind of elevates uh, West Brom versus Burnley uh, Saturday, 3 p.m. from, uh, who cares? I'm never going to, I'll, I'll be going to bed Absolutely. Uh, yeah. on match of the day when that's on. So, oh my God, Chris Wood, Chris Wood, what's he going to do? <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. It's night and day, isn't it? And you can tell yeah. if someone's into FPL, if they get a little spark about a player like that and tells you about something like that, or you know, has that sort of extra element of of interest in the player. And initially, obviously, you think, oh, you could be a West Brom fan, you could be a Burnley fan. I'm sorry for ripping on these clubs, but they're the ones that have sprung to mind here. Add a few more times. What about Leeds? Uh, no, no, Leeds, Leeds, are, Leeds, are very, Leeds are a very exciting club with lovely fans. Uh, 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 Aston Villa, another one that maybe you could throw in there. Um, but uh, obviously, you're not going to be interested in those clubs unless you are into FPL or a fan of them, right? Um, obviously, general football stuff, but there's definitely some stuff you can tell if you're speaking to somebody and they're really into FPL, right? It's like, I think what, what I enjoy the most is kind of having that sort of obscure knowledge about things like, I don't know, in Project Restart, Dawson had more shots in the box than any other defender. That's just stupid stuff that I know that not many, not many other people know. Connor <laughs> Cody stuff, Tom. The Connor Cody stuff is oh, one of the Connor biggest Cody. giveaways. <laughs> has another shot in uh, oh, for two years, I don't think. Hasn't crossed the yes. two years either. Yes, two oh, shots yeah. for England in the international break and I a know. goal. I know. <laughs> Captain choice every week, surely. Uh, but I love all that kind of the novelty of finding something. I think the first thing, you know, in terms of doing the data, like back in the day, we had a bit of a clear run, didn't we? So most things that we said were pretty new and then you get stuff like you know when xg kind of becomes more popular and then you've got to look a bit 
kind of further afield or look a bit deeper into what's going on and then you kind of combine it with the eye test a little bit and it's really nice to, when you see things you know a good example this this year even is, is J- James Rodriguez of the first game week didn't do anything got two points so FPL kind of uh, casual players look at that and just go well he hasn't done anything so I'm not buying him but it's just the type of player that assists the assister isn't it yeah, Tom isn't that yeah, what some people said that's, that's what I heard that's what I heard um, but you know having watched the game listened to the data you rewarded with a 12 point if you brought him in because you kind of looked at that and just thought well returns are going to come um, obviously it doesn't that always happen uh, Shea Adams I'm looking at you um, but often you do get that sort of nice payoff from ha- just grabbing somebody and to kind of link to my initial question this is kind of a, the most satisfying thing I think is when you grab somebody just before they break um, obviously in the next week everybody's on them and you know, your, your differentiation factor goes down and down but having somebody in just that moment before um, is definitely something that kind of really Really got me um in the first place I remember my first year me and my, my other half were together in 2015 I think I had uh, Harry Kane captain away at Bournemouth and he got a hat trick for me that week and he was like, you want a date knows. or something that you oh, rem- no, I, reminds I, you of being what I remember was I was out at Greenwich Park and we were kind of walking around the park it was October sort of time you know, we were having a coffee or something like that and sat on the bench and I just kind of thought right okay I need to look at my team now to see how it's going and then I kind of saw Bournemouth uh, I think uh, I saw I saw the Harry Kane saw the hat trick I was like yes and she was just like are you okay? I was like, Harry Kane for the hat trick. She was just like, huh? I mean, bless her. She, she's now she's now aware that I'm a fully fledged FPL being, but <laughs> at the time, uh, she was a bit kind of disconcerted to find out how much uh, you know satisfaction uh, you drew from this moment. <laughs> a, a shirt on a uh, on a digital pitch. Uh, but Tom, I thought you were an Arsenal fan. <laughs> That definitely does happen. I remember I was at a yeah. wedding and, oh, and before the wedding, he was a big Newcastle fan. It was Newcastle versus Spurs. And I think this must have been a couple of years ago, but I had, I had Ben Davis. So every time he did anything, I was like, come on, Ben, come on. And then everyone was like, is he a massive Spurs fan? I said, no, I'm an Arsenal fan. Oh, what are you cheering on Ben Davis? And I was like, Just oh, have a nerd. thing for Welsh defenders. <laughs> I was like, oh, what a nerd. I'm sorry, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of actually. Do you know what? Just building on that, and it wasn't on our running order, but I would say that like if there was something I'd like to see in FPL, it probably would be the introduction of other sorts of uh, points that rewarded those of us who dig that little bit deeper. I know it goes against the raison d'être of FPL, which is you know a simple game that can be followed by anybody and anyone could do well in. Sure, okay, grand caveat out of the way. But I would definitely love to see if the game rewarded even stuff as basic as passes completed and tackles made for example it would allow and that's a number of something as obscure as progressive passes made because it would let people like us who kind of dig into that data it would probably leave us free to dig in further into data as well which i would kind of like the excuse to do uh, but it would just differentiate us that little bit more and add another dimension to the game itself and i think it's something that's worked quite successfully in NFL fantasy, as far as I can understand it, without understanding the game all that much, that they have a very wide and deep array of stats yeah. that are rewarded, and it certainly doesn't turn away the casual. If anything, it just radicalizes them. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I think that the, what's important with NFL is that it's mostly America and one country, whereas with FPL, you're trying to appeal to individuals from across the spectrum who have different levels of English competency, different levels of understanding of things, different educational backgrounds. I'm not saying I'm not vaunting in the US, but like that's why you have kind of a lowest common denominator approach for FPL. And I get it. Like obviously I prefer there to be detail. Um 
I mean, Sky do offer that. Fancy Bundesliga offer that. That's for sure. You get points for all sorts of things. Um, but I think what's also quite nice about FPL is how simple it is. Uh, that's kind of a dixing sort of measure of it that things really do translate into the end products <laughs> more than any other game i suppose i mean I, I would like dearly like a few quality of life changes to be made I mean, we've spoken about this kind of ad nauseam things like the bonus system being slightly overhauled to favor defense midfielders things like the bonus system being explained um with live tables uh transfer market that being explained things like you know getting less points for an assist for a penalty or getting getting points for winning a penalty two points for winning the penalty but not but don't get the assist if it's scored you know so it's like no matter what you get a reward for winning the penalty but you don't get this disproportionate assist for what isn't an assist under any other definition of the word yeah. assist i feel like we, we speak about these ad nauseam but i mean broadly i think that it's actually not that bad <laughs> and I, I, maybe maybe it's stockholm syndrome because i've been doing this for so long um yeah it's, it's before, i guess but... i'm not i'm not on the on the on the hill here calling for massive change i just like you know just two or three extra ways to get points that would just add to things nothing nothing outrageous just a few little the little things to be honest just that just to make make N'Golo Kante great for the first time you know yeah well I mean that's, that's bonus points for me so if if imagine someone like N'Golo Kante was always in the running for two or three bonus every game because of what he gave on the pitch like so he was kind of uh regularly turning over four or five point performances at 6.0 something like yeah. that that'd be really interesting because then you kind of think okay i've got a boom or bust 6.0 like uh, you know the fated leo, leo trossard um who could get you a 12 as easy to get you a one or you've got ngolo kante who's going to push through four or five pointers um, trundle away, trundling away at that and it would, i think that is definitely a good way of doing it the bonus points they'd have to kind of i guess because of their their history they're kind of framed as man of the match points which if you know if we could kind of break that dissociation then the bonus points are definitely a good way to do it without having to add extra dimensions that complicate things because the fact of the matter is is that aside from the we'll call it 100,000 or 200,000 or so people who are following FPL on a week-by-week basis via forums and podcasts, etc. Very few people understand the bonus point system. It's quite clearly explained, but how it is calculated on a week-by-week basis is not transparent at all. And there are some people that do provide this, you know, in various forms, but there is no comprehensive, this is the table I go to every week to get my bonus point calculation information. And the fact of the matter is, is usually it boils down to how much did he score? Yeah. More points for him, you know. The, yeah. Not to not to make go like off on a not trying to make this political, but it's a kind of a rich get richer type system rather than something that kind of adds a different base. Yeah, yeah. No, I th- I think that, that that's a very kind of potent way of uh, kind of widening the points as you as it were, um, because we do I guess often um, only look at a small sample of players. And I know Michael Cox, for example, recently posted on Twitter saying that what he hates about fantasy football is that it it really kind of puts focus upon one a particular segment of uh, of the football fraternity or at least the players in the league as it were. And I think he's one of these people who for example, would say he hates computer games. He doesn't see the point of them. He's one of these sort of people. And he was getting snotty about the fact that somebody had a Salah, um, Son and KDB midfield midfield free and he couldn't understand why somebody would have that because it wasn't balanced in football, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think that does kind of happen. <laughs> like you do get someone saying that every now and again, but I, I think it's nice for if you are able to understand the football side of it and also kind of say, okay, but applying that knowledge to FPL, um, 
this is how the two things sort of meet and for FPL these are a better thing this is a better thing to do I guess Michael Cox can get his uh enjoyment from watching let's say FIFA players try to translate their ability to football manager they'll usually find that not respecting positions and certain skills that let's say wouldn't be rewarded in FPL means that they get destroyed pretty easily if they do anything challenging in football manager unfortunately fantasy football does not provide that for Michael Cox and so he will continue to be frustrated by it I think it's always going to be one of those things that can be differentiating because because the further you get into it, and I think that we as LWCA are certainly a podcast which caters for people at a certain end of the spectrum, the more experienced end of the spectrum. I think it can, and obviously we try to be as inclusive as possible, but I think often it can be because we use a lot of shorthand, we use a lot of ways to explain things, or we'll assume a lot of knowledge on the listener's behalf. Um, it can definitely be one of those things that is kind of a bit rabbit holy FPL. And when you come out of it, or at least when you're trying to explain it to somebody who's just nowhere near the rabbit hole level that you're in, like, you know, for, at work, for example, when someone's telling you about the work fantasy, you know, oh, sure, shall I sign this guy? Um, he's, he's, he scored 10 points last week and he's, he's going up in price because a few people have bought him. You're like, no, because he's Granite Jacker and he took two corners and he's not going to do that every season. That 11 point is an anomaly. It's, it's so interesting, isn't it, to see the, the dichotomy between your understanding of these things and somebody who's just dipping in and out. And a good a good friend of mine, I, I wouldn't I won't I wouldn't say it to his face, but I think he's one of the most cogent understanding or understanders of football that I know. But he hates uh, FPL purely because of that, because he feels that when he had an FPL team, he spent his whole time just focusing on you know some random player that he wanted to get past the ball to put it into the net. And no matter what he did, he just couldn't watch the games detached from that reality. And I think, you know, I do think of like Michael Cox is probably the extreme end of that spectrum of just like, it doesn't quite give you a balanced view of the game. And it would be, look, it would be nice if it was there. But at the same time, I, I really enjoy FPL following it every week, digging up the stats and playing within the framework that we have. And like, it's not to take away from my enjoyment of it at all. So where do you think FPL is going to go in the future? I mean, you've mentioned already that it's been spoken about a bit more in the media. You know, people are becoming a lot more cognizant of it. The player base is only increasing. And obviously there's been an explosion of FPL accounts, FPL content providers. Like We are one of about 5 billion pods now. I think every man, his dog and his dog's son. We look forward to who got the, we look forward to the launch of who got the goal. Yeah, who got the goal? Um, I'm sure that'll be out soon. Who who got who assisted the assister? <laughs> um, I'm sure that. James Rodriguez, the only account. Um, but yeah, no, it's. I, I think that it, obviously with this sort of explosion of things, do you think it's just going to be one of those things that becomes increasingly mainstream? Um, when I actually was asked this question a few years ago, something I had envisaged happening and has come to pass was the Premier League itself getting involved in a far more intense way with content production and filling that void. And whilst we have seen that already with the FPL show, with all of the different uh, content producers that are the pundits on that, I think we're definitely going to see that expand. And I think because the Premier League itself, the league, has so much involvement and control over how media distributors around the world present the Premier League. Like, I'm telling you, it... The, norm, the average viewer does not understand the control that the Premier League tends to have over this, down to the saturation that they put on the camera to make the grass look green and rich and fertile. That's not something you see in Serie A or La Liga because they just do not bring that sort of minute detail to the table. For example, as well, 
Premier League grounds have to be filled from the bottom up so that the grounds always look full on the television on the side facing the camera. You don't see that in, the, in Serie A as well. If you watch a Napoli game, it looks like no one's there because it's just such a hard stadium to fill and they fill the top level first with the best view rather than the lower levels down close to the pitch. There are all these things that the Premier League are involved in already. So I think we're going to see FPL integrated more into the Premier League content product, as Jermaine Genas would call it. And how would that look? It'll probably look like what the NFL looks like, uh, to go back to that already. Like fantasy football, as per American football, is now something that appears on the banner at the bottom of the screen when you're watching live games. It's something that features on their equivalents of Sky Sports News. When they're talking about players, they have to talk about their fantasy football potential as well. It's just, it's so integrated into things. And so I think that's definitely one way that FPL will go. And that'll probably be to the detriment of the smaller providers uh, who aren't, let's say, involved with the you know, quote-unquote officialdom. But that's fair enough. That's just the way these things tend to go. There's going to be definitely a case of greater integration going forward. I remember the first time a couple of years ago, BT started doing this. So they had, you know, obviously Jules, uh, Jules Breach on the, on the kind of the, 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 as the goals went in, kind of soccer satellite equivalent, um, who was mentioning kind of the, the fantasy side of it. And I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen a bit more. I think what will be really interesting, obviously we've had the XG and XA expected stats blowback. We've obviously had the VAR blowback. I wonder if we're going to have fantasy football blowback. I wonder if we're going to, we're going to get people going, oh, I don't want to hear about this. It's a waste of time. There's of nerds just talking about their, their their virtual teams. I just want to hear about the football. I'm sure that's going to happen too. Uh, I think it'll be, I think it'll just be really interesting. But yeah, I can I can only see further integration going forward. It's definitely an exploding, exploding industry. I think it's definitely something which is um, very interesting to be part of, even though we are kind of not looking to monetize currently. That's uh, important to be said. Yeah, and I think maybe just on the other side of where this is going, I, I guess I'm looking at this from a very content perspective because aside from altering the rules of the game and how it's calculated, I don't necessarily see how the actual FPL game can change that much. So it is really how it is engaged with and how it's marketed is probably what's going to change. And maybe talking about that content side of things, what we haven't seen a huge amount of so far, and um, yeah, Premier League is quite a global league, but we haven't seen a huge amount of other language content coming through with uh, FPL. And there are, I follow one or two like, like Indonesian ones, for example, that's quite a, a big market that I've seen appearing. But I think by and large, it's something that I think we're going to see the Premier League trying to tap into more. The, the Just to speak about the economics of it, simply the domestic TV market in the UK, it, it, they probably can't get much more money out of BT and Sky for the rights there. So it's the international markets is where the Premier League has to drive its growth. And so with that in mind, I think we're going to see FPL driven down the gullet of foreign viewers more and more in order to try and just build the engagement and build the following of clubs around the world. Yeah, certainly. I mean, my, my man, uh, Karim Tizer, he's uh, started a bit, does a lot, of, does his channel in Arabic, for example. Millions of managers there, and obviously Pranil and the, the guys at the FPL Wire, you know, speaking to India, really, uh, to a large extent. You know, such an active base there. It's only a matter of time before the likes of you know China and such get involved. And God, you know, you're in different stratosphere, aren't you? So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when you like when you think about it, like there's eight million-ish man teams probably going to be in the game by the end of this season. Maybe nine million if things really kind of get on a bit. Like, yeah, that's big, but that's nowhere near as big as it could be. Yeah, well, what's the American football uptake? It must be pretty damn huge. How many managers are there in in the US playing the NFL game? Must be oh, in, in the tens of millions, right? Something ridiculous like that. 
just as well you asked Tom, I've just Googled it here. Uh, 41 million uh, fantasy football NFL oh managers here, according to the wiki. Very quick search here. Yeah, uh, which uh, 40% of those people saying that they will play for life. <laughs> 51.5% are not married. For 40% of them, it may well stay that way. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I've got 12 waivers, eight teams. Oh, dear me. Uh, it's definitely um, probably not going to go that way, uh, but still, it's, it's just so... Yeah, it's definitely very enveloping. I'm not too sure exactly why it's so addictive. I think maybe it's because of the toxic mixture of community and gameplay and shared experience, which does everything. I mean, the final thing I want to talk about is um, obviously the community a little bit. And we've obviously had the privilege of meeting lots of people throughout the time that we've been doing it. Well, we do our own meetups. Uh, we, well, in non-COVID times, we do our own meetups. Hopefully, you'll listen to this in the future. That we're all vaccinated and it's all great. We're all outside and hugging and kissing and touching hands with strangers again. Um, but at the moment, we're all kind of isolated in our houses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Social distancing. Um, but in the past, you know, we've done Christmas stuff and we've done summer stuff. And Planet FPL took it to the next level, of course, during their live shows. Um, but it's just been incredible to meet people who all share the sort of um, little niche uh pursuits and really getting to know so many fine people that i just mentioned at the top anthony is a, is a friend through fancy football it's just incredible really it's such like a leveler i mean you've got football which obviously enables you to speak to most people if you speak to them in football you're into football i'm into football right we can have a conversation but you're into fpl i'm into fpl we can have a deep conversation we'll be best friends after it <laughs> like it's definitely another level of intimacy or another level of kind of uh, getting to know you i think with fpl and oh, i've definitely met you know so many incredible people through it but it's definitely one of the one of those things that um i guess to kind of relate straight back to the top where we kind of first initially spoke about what got us into it um and anthony said you know it's about kind of the people you meet i think that's definitely true for, for me and nick as well like the amount of people we've met the amount of people we would count as friends for doing this it's just um you know it's more than you can count really yeah it, it's not about the journey tom but the people you met along the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would actually say as well and i think this is just maybe a broader commentary on the fpl community to date and i think there's it's almost become vogue to complain about how toxic the community is or this that and the other oh. like, they're, they're, but it's, it's i think it's frankly become that's a, an agreed thought but it's 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 actually not true like it's by and large a very supportive and very nice community people tend to be always quite keen to reach out and like anytime you know anyone expresses anything kind of you know internal let's say about what's going on in their lives there's dirt literally hundreds of people that are waiting in to you know offer support to give help whatever and so i think don't get locked into the stigma that um fpl is like you know insert your country's politics you know twitter right here it's not like that at all the fpl twitter sphere the reddit etc like people are generally pretty nice and i think i i hate to see it becoming toxic with you know the the community that's a accepting that as a tag and you know trying to live up to it because it's certainly not the case with how it actually is and no, it's, it's, it's one of the, i think it's, it's very fashionable to jump on the bandwagon it so is um, yeah but if you look at adjacent communities look at the football twitter look at oh, gaming twitter. football twitter oh healthy place oh, these are these are these are really <laughs> horrible places and to be honest a lot of the time being toxic is mis uh, uh misunderstood to mean disagreeing with you 
but it's never it's not always the case and people as you say on fpl are overwhelmingly really nice people um, oh yeah just there to talk about fpl think about the sort of people who do gravitate towards fpl what are you likely to be a data-led person or at least a game-led person perhaps a little bit more introverted perhaps a little more interesting sort of the esoteric side of football rather than football um yeah and you could be it could be a tribe but you just you've given one very different type of person there you know i wouldn't put myself in that category but i would say you know let's say it could be a more tribal or sporty football person yeah, yeah. who just wants to read a little bit more into it than just shouting you know about whatever it, it's it's more than that you know etienne capoue he's really bad no like no <laughs> this is this is this is the world where etienne capoue can be loved for about six weeks at the start of the season <laughs> yeah I, I think that's what's beautiful about it is that you've got a lot of people who are all kind of jousting about the correct opinion or at least the opinion which is going to hold an fpl but on the whole do it in a very nice way on the whole it's reasoned and on the whole it's respectful and i think that that's definitely key especially in the times that we're in at the moment right so that's a good point to leave it uh that starts us in such a and it ends up as being a state of the nation <laughs> but i think we're gonna leave it at that <laughs> leave it as a record at that um just to say we were who got the assist um, normally we do stats driven thematic podcasts on different bits and pieces around what's going on in the fpl zeitgeist this time it was an evergreen introduction to anthony and to some it's an introduction to uh, sort of me and the unspoken member of our podcast nick who um you can hear more of on regular podcasts and there's an intro to nick and tom that we did a little while ago which is definitely worth listening if you want to kind of hear a bit more about us too um but in the meantime thanks so much for listening if you're a new listener enjoy the pod of course don't, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to have us in your ears all season long yeah i, I would definitely say to people who haven't heard to dig into that uh, pod that Tom and Nick did about getting to know getting to know them I guess uh, it was, it's definitely a good listen and I think it'll elucidate many a listener uh, for now anyway thanks so much for tuning in hope you enjoyed the mini league if you were listening to this in the 2021 season it is C-P-S-U-L-F that's the code we'll be ter- returning next week with Nick for a proper FPL podcast uh, with the international break and another game week behind us Cool. We hope this is you getting to know Anthony a bit better. Speak to you next week. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Cool. I think that was all right. I'm, I'm, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. General chit chat, I think. It's kind of what we wanted, really. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.